Welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 240. And, well, I am just a example of how the best laid plans of mice and men go awry. So you may recall about two weeks ago, I had indicated that I was going to probably do two or three episodes about things that I think the hippies actually got right. Well, last week came and went and, you know, we had a lot of crazy go on last week and that just got postponed. And now over the weekend, I had really what I thought were two great ideas for which to build an episode or two off of. And quite frankly, they escaped my mind. I got busy with life and uh, having to skip on Friday's episode. I just didn't get it written down soon enough and it is gone. I'm sure it'll come back and it'll probably uh, be added on to the end of this week. So my plan is, is to give you the episode as I had it planned for last week, Friday. In addition to that, I'm going to rehash or read a section of a brief set of statements that I made at a meeting last week. Bear with me for one moment while I get it ready. All right, so this would have taken place uh, about a week ago today. And uh, I was asked to emcee an event uh, by some friends over at the Cowan County Patriots. And uh, we're in the process of sorting out some uh, operational issues with the Constitutional Texans in them. I think we're going to have a merger of sorts. Um And so I announced that and as a preface, if you will, to the discussion that we were going to have on the toll roads and how those work, as well as the, (laughs) the ongoing saga of 380 highway 380 here in North McKinney that goes all the way across the County. And, uh, McKinney is the, uh, fly in the porridge or the bee in the bonnet. Choose your, uh, analogy you like best. And, um, then of course there, well, in any case, so I'm going to briefly rehash what my statements were, and then I'll transition into the remainder of the time of the preface or the premise that I was going to do Friday's episode on. So, and we begin, I wanted to take a few minutes to encourage you in this interesting time in the Chinese sense of the phrase, We're not promised tomorrow, and many of us were taught that the Lord was coming back soon. So why worry? Well, I'll give you an illustration from Nehemiah chapter 4, starting at verse 12. And I contextualized it for uh, today's day and age. So here we go. When the conservatives who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and time again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So Nehemiah is speaking, so I say, So we stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall and at vulnerable areas. And and we stationed them by the families with their swords, spears, and bows. Now, just you have to use your imagination a little bit here how this might play out in modern America, okay? And after making an inspection, we stood up and we said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid. Remember, the great and awe-inspiring Lord... And he will hear, and he, I'm sorry, the great and all inspiring Lord will fight 
for your countrymen, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. And from that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and the armor. And the officers supported all the people of Judah. Now, it goes on to say in chapter 17, those who were rebuilding the wall, the laborers carried loads and worked with one hand and held a weapon in the other. So we must always be ready to engage in the battle. That's That was my takeaway, right? And I transitioned from there and I said, we can't control what happens in D.C. We have nominal input with what goes on in Austin. We need to face the fact that some of those in charge are just plain evil and they hate us. But beware, violence will only give them what they want. Plan and only act when you are sure it is the right thing to do. And I just don't see it as the time. However, there are three things, and I break them down with some examples, that we, the people, can do. Number one, don't comply. Exercise peaceful noncompliance. Make them, make, ask them for ID. Ask them by what authority. Ask them for the warrants. See those things. And when these, whether they're feds or they're local police, Ask for the supervisor and when the feds are involved, always ask for the sheriff, particularly if you happen to be living in Collin County and the feds show up at your door. It doesn't matter what alphabet soup agency it is. Calmly respond. I'd like to speak to the sheriff. And if you're smart, you'll already have the sheriff's uh, contact information readily available. Now we in Collin County, we're blessed. We have an awesome sheriff. You may be in Dallas County, and I don't know if you can honestly say the same, but it is still the sheriff's responsibility to one, know what's going on in his county, and two, oversee all federal investigation or, pre- or, or I'm sorry, presence in his county. He is the highest law enforcement official in your county. And yes, I know there's some female sheriffs, but the two that I'm referring to are male. So there it goes. All right. Number two, improve your self-reliance. Now, there are plenty of people that spend podcasts describing this and go into it, and I highly recommend you search them out. Their information is going to be far more detailed and better organized and, quite frankly, well thought out than mine. But just as as a couple of examples, build your own business. Learn to barter, right? If you've got your own business, you're not dependent on somebody else for your paycheck, Protect your family because you are your own first responder. Yes, the police, the fire department, the paramedics, the EMTs, whatever. Those are great, but the reality is they are second responders. When an event occurs, you're the first person there because it's happening to you. Next thing, invest in your extended family. So if you've got money or you've got a retirement or you've just plain got time, invest it in your family. Maybe not your kids or your grandkids because, you know, they've got their own things going on. But if you've got a cousin, a nephew, a niece, a, you know, or even a parent, maybe, maybe you've done very well in life and you still have a parent, invest in your extended family. Third thing, work in your community or church. That means we can educate our next generation. We shouldn't be dependent upon our government school system. That was the first and largest mistake anybody right a center ever made, but that ship has long since sailed. 
We're going to do the best we can to fix the government schools. If you have the opportunity or the option to pull them out and do homeschool or private school, great. Good for you. But a lot of people really don't. So you need to make sure you're spending that time with your children or your grandchildren, educating them on the things that they're not going to bother to teach them in the government schools. Lead well. That means we have to set an example, whether it's us individually, us as a family, or us as our church within the greater community. We have to work on leading by example and to do a good job. And the third thing is we have to actually listen to our opponents. Not all of our opponents are evil. Not all of our opponents hate us. There are some that maybe just don't understand. There are some that actually diagnose that, hey, there is a common problem here. And some of this may sound familiar to those of you that have listened to previous episodes. And there's a reason for that. This is a reoccurring theme. We have to understand what they think, why they think it, so that we can work on a solution. And that's where I wrapped it up. And I handed it off to the rest of the uh, program, if you will. The idea being is don't be dismayed. Don't be distressed. Just because we can't fix things at DC level, just because we can't fix things at Austin level, doesn't mean we can't make an impact. It doesn't mean that we aren't able to be heard. So now, I originally was planning on titling this episode Memes and School Choice. But being that I have now kind of deviated from that, I'm just going to shorten it up to what to do with the future. So some of you who are older than me really don't know what a meme is. Or if you do, you just don't know how it works. Some of us are quite good at it. I don't consider me one. I mean, I have the ideas, but as far as actually making one, I haven't gotten there yet. But I see lots of them out there. The idea is, is you give a short rebuttal or argument with a picture and as few as a dozen words. You make people think about things. And this is how the culture battle is taking place right now. We have people in our midst that are very good at this. They need to be encouraged and they need to be worked with. We stand... On the shoulders of giants. Just because our immediate predecessors in power failed to show up to the battle, they failed to show up and defend liberty or the culture or the civilization, doesn't mean that we can't or we shouldn't. The war is not over. We know in the end how it plays out, but it's our job to occupy and carry forth that standard in the meantime. And if we're not willing to do that, we're not willing to take a risk, then we're not doing our jobs. And some of that comes down to school choice, right? Educating your children. And again, I'm going to kind of gloss over this because I've covered it more than one occasion and I'm trying not to beat the dead horse as it was. But if you are a grandparent or an uncle and you don't have children or you're an aunt and you're retired, you should be spending that time with your sister or brother's children with your grandchildren, educating them. All the information that they could possibly ever need to know is easily available from multiple curriculums that can be had for a very reasonable cost. And if you're not willing to spend $1,000 on your children or your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews, I'd be willing to say that I can't help you. And it may be $2,000, 
But that's okay. That's that's cheap insurance that we raise good citizens, that we raise good thinkers, that we raise people that care about their country and are willing to defend it. Now, in a previous episode, I talked about nationalism, right? I talked about how people that love their country, that, that they, they fear their governments, but they love their country. They, they love their countrymen. You can't expect your children to learn that any longer in a government school. It is our responsibility to make sure that they learn that. Now, something as simple as a meme can make a difference, but it's the pouring in in the time you spend educating those young people. Now, I've done my bid with both my daughters and youth group at the church. I've put in my time. I've made the investment. I've seen some positive payouts. I've seen some challenges. But, hey, nobody's perfect. Nothing ever works 100%. But imagine what it would be like if I hadn't done that. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm just using myself as an example. And I'm telling you, I've been there and I've done that. And if I've been able to do it, you can too. You should too. Don't be afraid. People will rally around you if you're willing to do this. In fact, I've talked on more than one occasion about the possibility of starting a co-op or a, let's call it a collective private school, right? The co-op, right? And Maybe we get a few people that are semi-retired or just quite frankly are willing to invest on a weeknight and educate. Pouring into those young people, well, it still can make a difference. You know, I've talked about the idea of an abusive relationship. I've used it in the scenario between a state and the federal government. This is another example. Government schools are abusing our children. Now, I know that's kind of a step out there and that's going to cause some people some dismay. And, well, you know what? I'm not attacking individual teachers. Let's just set that aside. But when you're doing some of the things that you do under the guise of education, which clearly do not benefit our young children, our middle school children, and quite frankly, a lot of our high school students. I wonder, why should we tolerate that? I wonder if you already know that and you just are afraid to act. I mean, I've shown up to plenty of school board meetings in the last year and a half, and I'll tell you, I will give an argument. I'll I'll lay out my issue And you can do it without attacking individuals. You can do it without singling out any one person. You can do it where you focus on just the failure. Or quite frankly, it's something they've done on purpose that is not a positive outcome for our young people. And you target just that issue. And then you sit back and you watch. Now, at the federal level, they've already determined... That we're a bunch of violent extremists. That we're the problem. Indeed, even go so far as if you state that uh, the federal government is a problem, if you state that it was terrible that... One moment. If you state that you have a problem 
with what happened in Ruby Ridge. If you state that you had a problem with what went on in Waco. If you question the narrative of what happened in Oklahoma City or TW800 or, I don't know, 9-11. If you even doubt the official story, you're the problem. You're the one that needs to be mushed out. That's a nice way I could think to say it. If you doubt that elections are clean, if you if you doubt that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, you're the problem. You shouldn't be trusted. If you fly a Gadsden flag, if you fly the come and take it flag, if you fly, oh, I don't know, the liberty of death flag that's in many of the videos I've done in the past, if you talk about the Constitution, if you reference the Second Amendment, you're the problem. Well, I'm sorry. The last time I looked, we still claim to be a free country. We still claim to respect the Constitution. We still claimed to hold these truths to be self-evident. We still have a Bill of Rights. But if you're not willing to state it and go forth with it, they're going to just continue to chip away and take away. Indeed, one of the things, and this is a hard transition here, One of the things that really irritates me is our own people routinely sell us out, whether it's John Cornyn or Dan Crenshaw. They say, well, we're wanting sensible gun control laws. We just, we just want red flag laws. You know, somebody's mentally ill. They they shouldn't have access to firearms. Oh, really? Well, who gets to determine if they're mentally ill? What's the criteria? Who gets to determine what the criteria is? Who investigates? Who determines what's a viable complaint and what's not? The same government that we can't trust for anything else. And really, this is a a pet peeve of mine when it comes to the, the conservative side. They say they don't trust government. They say that they have their doubts, yet they're willing to buy hook, line, and sinker. So many stories put out by the federal government. I mean, the federal government has abandoned the borders. The federal government has abandoned energy exploration. The federal government has done so many things and we just stand by idly and watch it all play out. Indeed, our own governor, God help us, does the bare minimum and he wants to run triumphant for governor again. Now look, I don't fear Beto. Beto is a paper tiger. Talk about brainless. He's well-funded. He's well-connected. And... The same could be said for uh, Greggy. But even us as conservatives, we're just not enthusiastic about Greg. So we're stuck with the conundrum. Do we run out and vote for a guy that, quite frankly, abused us? Brought about tyranny for the better part of two years? I mean, it was a soft tyranny. I mean, and I'm the first guy to say, well, he's not the worst governor. But I mean, is that all we have to offer? Is that the best argument we have? Well, he's a Republican, so we have to go out and vote for him. Well, I'm sorry. Can you understand why a lot of us are just not excited about that? Meanwhile, on the other side, they got this joke, Robert O'Rourke, that's going to run around and tell us how he's going to fix everything because he's just such an awesome guy. He's not. And thousands of people apparently will just show up to hear him talk. Not impressed. I mean, the same could be said of Bernie Sanders. This is the state that gave us Ron Paul, that birthed Rand Paul, that spurred 
Thomas Massey indirectly through Ron Paul, and we got this joker running around, and everybody's afraid that he's going to be the next governor. Well, I'm here to tell you, if the best we can do is Greg Abbott, that's a real concern. Now, I'm also very comfortable with the idea that Governor Greg's going to outspend him and outwork him, and quite frankly, it's not going to be nearly as close. Because quite frankly, nobody's convinced that Beto's good at anything. But we're stuck <laughs> with a retread, barely likable Republican. I mean, and the same could be said at so many races in the state. The best we could come up with was these milk toast moderate mm, letdowns. Indeed, there were a number of races that were actually determined by the unions, I'm sorry, the associations of the government workers. That should scare you because their only motivation, only thing they want is more money, better benefits, and more protections. Now, I get all of that. I mean, they're self-interested and they're highly motivated for their own self-interest. But I think most of these people could care less about liberty or justice. Yet, for whatever reason, the Republican Party just puts a rubber stamp on it and goes with it. Now, as you may know, about a month ago, we in Cowley County censured Cornyn. There's been a couple of counties that did it before us, and there's a couple of counties that are set to follow. And I happen to know that that very resolution is going to be brought up in Smith County tonight. Now, I don't know what the outcome is just yet. I'll be waiting. Still waiting on Denton County. Still waiting on Tarrant County. Still waiting on Grayson County. Where are you guys? Let us know. I mean, I know. It sounds meaningless. It sounds, quite frankly, just a whiff in the air. The guy's not on the ballot. The guy's more than once let us down. In fact, I would go so far as to say he's not sold us out once, but twice. If we're not willing to call him on the carpet when it's a safe person to call on the carpet and then rally the troops to go vote for the people that, well, quite frankly, a good number of them are second and third choices. How do you expect to win? The red wave is underwhelming, but it still has to do its job. God forbid we don't take the House and the Senate, or at the very least, the House. Woe be to our country. And look, I expect no miracles. I expect we're going to be let down multiple times. But if you think what's been going on for the last year and a half is a good thing, or that things are improving, or that it's a positive outcome having these knuckleheads in charge, I got news for you. You're listening to the wrong podcast. Hey, listen. At the end of the day, we all want what we think is best for our families, for our kids, for our communities. And I'm here to tell you, what's going on right now is clearly not that. Now, you can't lay it all on the feet of the guy that's in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You can't lay it all on the feet, even of those people in Congress. Some things just happen or are beyond a control. But when you have the people in charge that don't look to actually fix the problem, but actually look for ways to exacerbate the problem, to exaggerate the problem, and quite frankly, to abuse their people, wake up. Wake up. 
The same thing happens in your government schools on a much smaller scale. I'm going to bring it right back home here. You may know a hundred teachers and 80 of those teachers might be awesome. But the 20 teachers that are not awesome are the ones that run the schools and the teachers associations. Because quite frankly, those other 80 teachers that are awesome probably have families, probably have husbands that they love or wives that they love. And they are too focused on their families to worry about what's going on at the school administration. They're, they're focused on things outside of the school. Meanwhile, those that seek to gain power, seek to gain control, they just move their way up inside. And then, of course, the administrative suite, well, they benefit every time they grow that school or that school district. And I'm not sure, but I'm fairly certain that McKinney ISD has hmm, 5% less students now than they did five years ago. Eh, I could be off on that number. I just know that it's decreased, not once, but twice that I'm aware of. Yet, the superintendent has got himself a fat raise. Yet, they've looked at changing nothing. We went from an A-rated school district to a B-rated school district. And all we've done is beat up on the one guy on the school board that asks questions, that doesn't go with the flow. I don't see how that's productive. I don't see how you, the other 80% of the teachers that are out there, are okay with this. I'm not sure how you, the other 80% of the teachers put up with all the extra garbage they dump upon you that has absolutely nothing to do with educating the children or the young people that you're charged with educating. I don't quite understand why that is. I mean, there's a shortage of teachers. I highly doubt they're going to go through and fire you whole scale or wholesale. Well, excuse me. They're going to fire you all wholesale because you dared to question something. Oh no, they're going to have memory and they're going to come back and maybe get you later. But if you're doing the job and you're doing a great job, you're going to have some safety. You're going to have a lot of parents that are excited and then fight for you. But if you're the person that's more concerned about protecting books that have no business in an elementary school or even a middle school, if you're the person that's more concerned about dotting some I's and crossing some T's on some SEL, uh, educational uh, (laughs) I can't think of the right word I want to use here it's clearly not an opportunity (laughs) Uh, program right or if you if you're more concerned about making sure that the uh, math program is woke rather than uh, I don't know useful maybe you ought to be out of the educational business. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe the 80% of the teachers that actually want to educate young people ought to revolt against these people and say, no, these are, these people are the problem. They need to go away. These people are undermining the efforts of the schools. They're undermining the efforts of all these good teachers. Well, I ask, where are you? Are you going to show up and vote for people that are going to avoid the rubber stamping of the status quo? Are you going to be willing to put your neck out and actually support people that are going to ask questions, not go along with the narrative? Because if you're not, you're the problem. You may be the 80% of the good people, but if you do nothing about it, you have let evil propagate. 
And you'll note this is virtually the same argument made about the FBI. I know plenty of teachers. I don't hate any of them. I, 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 I don't even dismiss them, which is something I've been accused of at least once in the past. No, that's not the case at all. If you're a good teacher, you're worth what you're getting paid and probably more. But you have to be willing to do the right thing. You have to take a risk. To go along to get along has never, ever worked. And instead of working against or supporting actions that take out charter schools, that make it more difficult for parents to use other options to educate their children and their young people, you should be looking to support the people that pay the bills, not the people that manipulate the organization that you work for. I'm sure there's a half a dozen memes that could be used in this regard. But for right now, I'll leave you with this. It said all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And I'll say all it takes for bad schools to continue is for good teachers to do nothing. You have an opportunity. You have a a groundswell of people in the community that are willing to support you. And willing to work with you to get you some good representation on the school board. You just have to be willing to take that risk. And I'm asking you, are you ready? With that, let's wrap it up. This was According to Callus. This was episode 240. And it's all about the schools. And I will see you on the other side.